2: Welcome everyone to another beautiful uh, episode of Cooking in Mexican from A to Z on the Beautiful Heritage Radio Network. And um, alongside my beautiful mom.
3: Sarella Martinez.
2: And I'm Aron Sanchez. And, and and today we have the unbelievable pleasure of inviting to uh, to talk with us and chat about all things Southwestern cuisine. I consider my tío, He's one of the founding fathers of this beautiful South. Western cuisine movement that started many moons ago, Uh, and of course, we're talking about the incomparable, the brilliant, super, uber-talented Chef Steven Piles, I consider him my deal, my uncle, and just to give you guys a little bit of a background, uh, of course, he's the chef, cookbook author, philanthropist, and educator, and Chef Piles, Dio Piles, uh, Dio Piles, uh, he's one of the founding fathers of Southwestern Cuisine, you can imagine, so... Over 23 restaurants in six cities in the past 30 years or so and, uh, you know, he's, he's put a lot of really important restaurants on the map and opened up the world to the beautiful combination of how the Southwest interacts and, and, and kind of has roots in Mexico. And, of course, he's I mean winning the award for his PBS TV series. I mean, James Beard Award winner for Best Chef. I mean, I can keep go on and on and on, but I want everyone to please welcome and somebody that I care and I admire very much, Chef Stephen Piles.
4: Thank you, Aron and Zarella for having me today. You, you flatter me and embarrass me, but mostly flatter me. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> keep going. Yeah, I keep get going. <laughs> I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. Even and here.
3: I have been friends since 1987. You know, he and I discovered Oaxaca together. We went on this trip and we went to Chiapas. And so we recently went on another trip to Oaxaca and it was so interesting to catch up and to compare our, the, the, the first trip but our friendship was the same and even stronger so it was just a beautiful time
4: it was spectacular, and uh you know we we did see some change there, but it was uh only in I think the quality of the restaurants, which uh to be honest was a little surprising i mean i, I there was a couple of restaurants, well, one in particular, you know you could have been anywhere in the world. I was like, Wow, this is in Oaxaca, so it's pretty exciting and uh uh, but but you started at Zorella. You you gave me my push into uh, into Oaxaca, and I'll, I can never think of Oaxaca without thinking of you. Thank you. And your you know, glory. one of the
3: things that we didn't talk about is that in the introduction is how you're like the founder of Texas southwestern food.
4: Well, I call it. There's there. It's called two different things as as it sort of um, evolved. I, it's called different things. One thing is. Uh, uh, Southwest, certainly southwestern cuisine, but I started calling my my cuisine modern Texas some years ago. So I feel like I'm one of the founding fathers of southwestern cuisine, but kind of the founding father of modern Texas, just because it's it's very different uh, than southwestern today. So many more cultural And I agree. And, and I think
2: also, uh, chef, you have been so renowned for your 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 presentation and your detail to your detail to um, all the small factors that make something so important, that makes it actually bigger. Um, I I just think you have such an art for dressing plates and and, and letting them sing visually and, of course, uh, back to flavor. But let's talk a little bit about that. I think it's important for people that are listening to understand what are those differences, what distinguishes something uh, Southwestern to New Texan, all those good things.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think uh, when we first um, started playing around with, and, and we didn't name it Southwestern. The press did. We just were doing something that was regional. We all there was a group of chefs: Dean Faring, myself, Mark Miller, Robert Del Grande, and we were, we were all kind of French trained or classically trained, and then and then we uh, kind of discovered the, the the ingredients and culture and roots of our regions. And I of, of those of that group am the only Texan. I'm a fifth-generation Texan, so I've always really um, thought uh, thought of it more as Texas than Southwestern. Southwestern originally, you know, was uh, incorporated so much of the Native American uh, influence, and 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 primarily Mexican, and uh, and certainly a little bit of the Southern, but. Texas cuisine, in specific, there's so much uh, a wider range. I think just so many disparate cultures. Uh, certainly, southern is a big, big part—fried chicken, peach cobbler, um, you know, foods from Africa. Uh, but there's also a side of it that doesn't necessarily exist in southwestern, and then that sort of cowboy range cooking—you know, open fire cooking—and uh, and so that really says Texas to me. And of course, I couldn't do it without. Chili's and all the uh major influences from mexico so and there's even a little bit of a, a, a i know you're you're big on uh, new orleans now Aaron. Aron, and uh there's a bit of a you know in port arthur in that part of the state there's a there's a cajun creole influence that's not typical in yeah. southwestern as well i think it's very important
2: to delineate because i think it's, you know what what chef mark miller has done in new mexico i think you're i'm happy that you're making that distinction mm-hmm. chef because i think it's important right mom uh, to understand the differences between that,
3: I remember when um, when this whole movement started. I think John Sedler was a big mm-hmm. for, force in this, and he had this uh, this his yeah. idea of of uh, salsa and chips was a big blue plate with a, a with a chip cut in the form of a star, and then this squiggle light of, mm-hmm. of salsa. That was, that was his idea of uh, chips and salsa. And huevos and a la mexicana, or rancheros, was a soft-boiled egg with salsa inside, and in this beautiful little mm-hmm. container. So that was taking it a little bit too much.
4: Yeah. Well, remember, John also did the. Uh, uh, rattlesnake of caviar <laughs> and it was uh it was you know all the typical uh accoutrement for caviar the egg and the cell but it was all I mean we decided that had to take three <laughs> hours just to do one order I mean it was like art it was art and it tasted pretty good but yeah I agree we 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 sometime got a little carried away oh you know and I did this tamale book with uh with Mark Miller and John Sedler and uh I always President thought my Glass and... Yeah, yes and i always thought of my mind i was kind of in the middle you had mark miller who was a lot more rustic and down to earth you know and then you had john settler up here who we're kind of always trying to bring back down yeah. to earth it was like three different three different versions
3: who, who did the peasant under glass
4: yeah. that was john of course of yeah. course he also did the the gold tamale don't leave home without it
3: <laughs> <laughs> and what, what was that
4: I don't even but remember. But it sounds awesome. I, 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 <laughs> I, just, I, remember I just remember. <laughs> I just remember the name.
3: Well, I remember huh. that one of my customers went to check it out for me because he was getting a lot of press, John's, and she came back and she, and asked how it was. She says. Well, you know, it's all right. Blue tacos and all.
4: (laughs) Yeah, blue tacos. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, Zarella. I think that's where we first saw each other. I think that's where we first laid eyes on each other. We were going to a conference together with Michael McCarty out at Lowry's in Los Angeles. The first ever, probably, conference on Southwestern cuisine. And I had certainly heard of you and couldn't wait to meet you. But we saw each other at, uh, what was the name of it? uh saint Steph saint stepph and uh and I, I looked across and we kind of waved and we talked afterwards, but that's where we first met at John. I,
3: I know you were so supportive of me because i was I was literally just starting mm. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, and also, and also, your mother was there, and you two scared the hell out of me on yeah, Santa yeah. Monica Boulevard. Hi. You were driving, and she was in the front seat, and I was in the back seat with my hands Not over that. my head. That's about right. <laughs> <laughs> and she was, she was And they're just going at it. They're just going at it like this. Don't turn here. That's stupid. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> and I'm going... God, please just get me back to the hotel.
3: <laughs> and she would swerve like out of the way of another car she'd say, my reflexes are still so good, honey.
2: <laughs> but but I, 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 you know what? And I think that's beautiful that everyone needs to know that's listening is that you and my mom, Chef, uh, and many others, Chef Popper Dome, all the, the American regional cuisine started to be born at that point, and I think that 's really a, a yeah. very impressive because you guys follow the the, the nouvelle cuisine inflection uh, uh, invasion between Michel bichard Jean louis Paladin, and then all of a sudden this yeah. beautiful yeah. American regional cuisine is born.
4: Yeah, it it really all happened between 81 and 83 or 84. I mean, so many restaurants. And what 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 was happening if you if if we're honest is that we were doing French nouvelle cuisine but with American ingredients. Yeah. And then it just sort of finally became a little more Americanized and more rustic and more cultural and and then it became new American cuisine. But we were we all sort of took our our cues from, from the French Nouvelle folks yeah. at that day.
3: Except that, you know, like the Mexican food was all based on Tex-Mex, you know, at that point where I, where I came on.
4: That's exactly and right. My
3: mom and I came in and started doing regional Mexican food at that first big event that we did at Tavern on the Green, and people didn't know what hit them. You know, we were, yeah. were doing things with tomatillos, like crab enchiladas with tomatillos and, and making it, you know, like more traditional
4: and it's no more obvious and specific than in Texas, and I think Dallas in particular. You know, because we are so entrenched in Tex-Mex and what Mexican means to us. And when a when a really great Mexican restaurant opens opens, they don't stay open long because people, you know, why would I pay that much? And this is not Mexican. It's you know. And so finally, just now, some really good Mexican restaurants have. Uh, have opened and are, and are having some good success.
3: Yeah, like what? Which was
4: Well, Jose. Jose is uh, 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 Anastasia. We call her AQ, Quinones. And uh, she's been at several restaurants around. One was Alma, but they just don't stay open for more than about a year. Uh, So that, that's a great one right now. And um, Tulum is another one. There was a a chef from Tulum that spent time in some Michelin restaurants. And, you know, that was, that was the interesting thing about Oaxaca. Don't you think was that these Mexican chefs have, have traveled the world and come back home. You know, they've, they've, they've spent time in Michelin restaurants. They've, they've got this technique, but they, but they embrace those wonderful Mexican ingredients in it. So it's, it's a whole new style.
3: you used to see this guy. This this meal that we had, honey, at this place called El Destilado, and they're mm-hmm. they're, they're distilling of different spirits and stuff like that. But it was a, it was a it was supposed to be a six course tasting menu, but it ended up being the ten course because they were so yeah. thrilled that we were there that they sent us everything, and it was mind blowing. I mean, it was absolutely mind blowing. And and the and the guy had never been out of Mexico. Yeah.
4: Well, he hadn't, but he worked with uh, Julio, I think it was, and, and, and he had worked at Cezanne in San Francisco, yeah. which is I love one of my restaurant. favorite restaurants in the country. So he, had, so it really, you could tell that that was that was the infusion there, that was the influence. In fact, Zarela, they 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 wanted us there, they liked having us there so much that they charged us ten times the check. Remember? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of twenty one hundred, it was twenty one thousand. We got home. Yeah. <laughs> he said, you, "You, and your big mouth." You know. No, no, no. You know, I love it. But that's, and first
2: of all, deal, uh, deal, um, chef. I'm so happy that you were with my mom on this last trip to Oaxaca. Thank you so much. Because you know, I, I take a lot of oh, I take a lot of time. pride in taking care of my mama, obviously. And, and I want to make do sure it that she's well. Always, you do it. I'm well. trying my best. No I can always do I can always do better. But I think it's important to mention that you just said something interesting about the fact that Mexican chefs are starting to be influenced by so many different places. And not only, yes, French technique, but also what's happening uh, close to them. Uh, just came back from from Tlaxcala, which is a, uh, the, the smallest state in Mexico. That's the home of the Malinche. They call it La Cuna de Tortilla y Maíz. And one of the things that I, I was fascinated about, and I want to hear you guys' both opinion, is the idea of la the cocin, the, the, the cocinera tradicional. So a woman or a man that cooks in a local area, but it's not professionally trained. Now And now they're starting to get this beautiful sort of recognition. I think it's a very interesting time about that and i would like to know how that refers a little bit back to what we're talking about as far as was there a home cook in your little region in your hometown uh steven that was like the, the grand dame
4: or the grand dude that cooked food that taught you yeah my mother yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know I, I was i was raised in a, a truck stop cafe yeah, yeah so my dad my dad uh did you know it was really kind of fry cook and Mexican food. But we did barbecue and fried chicken and that sort of thing. But my mother was the pastry chef. So and, and pastry chef meant, you know, coconut cake and peach cobbler and lemon and
3: meringue
4: lemon lemon meringue pie and chocolate icebox pie. So. So, yeah. And, and my my grandmother was a great cook. And uh, so it was all family. I, you know, there weren't uh, there weren't uh, I, I think probably in the restaurants, and there weren't chefs back then. We didn't call them chefs, we called them fry cooks. Yeah. But they were all men. Yeah, yeah. But at home, it was always the women cooking. Zarela, remember that, that meal we had, um, I don't know, I forgot the name, de olla. Levadura uh, de olla. Yeah. That was a bit along the lines of what Erron is talking about.
3: But there, the, the, it's called the cocina de humo. It's a smoke yeah. because everything is done with wood and a very big comal, which is anchored, you know, with cement, and then a fire. And it was this amazing food. You know, we had this the tasting menu the night before, and then this other menu the next day. And it blew your mind. And you didn't you didn't realize at, at, until the end that it was all vegetarian. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and it was including the tamal. It was this, there were probably 10 dishes or 12 dishes. I don't know how many.
4: And there were all women in the kitchen. There were no men in the kitchen. Love that. And and it was really replicated from the, where was it from, Zarela?
3: From this little town called uh, something like Zoo or something like that.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Small, tiny little town. But they uh, they brought the the women in from there to cook. It was really. Spectacular, and I, I don't remember that before either when I was in Oaxaca. That style. So. And so,
2: do you, do you find, Chef Steven, now that younger people are gravitating to the idea of what new Texan cuisine could be, and or, or in, in understanding that this is going to be a sort of an inspirational place that they can sort of find their their way, or no?
4: I think so, uh, the, the Here's the deal. Um, you know, as is any typical evolution I think of food but uh there doesn't seem to be it's what the important food that's happening with the younger chefs right now in Dallas certainly in Texas it's uh it's more worldly it's more global uh and they're embracing the idea of local uh and so they're using chilies and they're using black beans and Texas game but it I wouldn't necessarily call it modern Texas. I mean, that exists, and those places are very popular, but uh, it's interesting to see the evolution, and I'm not sure what you call it. It's not really modern Texas. It's just kind of modern with the Texas influence, if that makes sense. So there's a lot happening, a lot happening.
3: Who, who else? Who's sort of like a hot new chef in that, in that field?
4: Well, um, Uh, not necessarily in that field but i think the best restaurant currently in in dallas is a place called meridian and it is you know junior junior and uh junior spectacular and what he's done which is really unique he's brazilian and uh he's he's incredibly skilled and uh with modern cuisine and uh so, so it's like his version of what Brazilian food could be, and so that's that's a, an example of what I was saying earlier. And certainly, there's some Texas influence in there because he's in Texas. But uh, Matt McAllister's doing a great job at Homewood. He's uh, and um, uh, Dean's old chef, um, Eric Dreyer is now at a place called Monarch. Danny Grant, I think, the two-star Michelin chef out of Chicago, opened Monarch uh, in a building downtown. And that's very popular. So there's some stuff going on here, finally. <laughs> it, it,
3: you know, but because the thing is that, you know, Tex-Mex influence is so strong that it doesn't yeah. allow the the regional Mexican cuisine to grow, I think, in many parts of Texas.
4: It, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. We're seeing we're seeing some change there, thank God. But it's taken it's taken 20 30 years.
2: So mom but remember when Memma explained the difference between Tex-Mex versus Mexican, right?
3: Now remind it- me.
2: Well, which I mean, well, I remember having this conversation. She said basically, it was when Mexico and the the, the border was porous. Uh, Texas ranchers or or cowboys would come and work in Mexico. They liked aspects of the food. Maybe some of it was a little spicier than other. And then to your point, chefs uh, Stephen, as far as like the open air cooking, and they started using flour tortillas instead of corn and green chilies that were milder. And these sort of things started happening. You no. Know? You know, and and so this sort of beautiful new uh, sort of style of Mexican cuisine was born or Tex-Mex was born. That's
4: that's that's great. And and, um, I was always asked early on what the difference between Southwestern and Tex-Mex was. And my answer was much simpler. $15. (laughs) (laughs) $15. I <laughs> <laughs> thank,
2: thank Chef Mark for that. And that's
1: why I,
2: I work for him, so I know. Mm-hmm. That's, so. that's hilarious.
3: <laughs> you know, when when I first came on, on the scene, the photos, I repeat this, but maybe not here yet. The, the photos of that year in 1983 said, the Mexican food that's available in the United States Bears the same uncomfortable resemblance that a howling monkey has to man.
4: <laughs> <laughs> wow! Lots Who said that?
3: It wasn't the photo's guide.
4: Oh, photo. Okay. But a lot's changed, though. That's the point, pretty, right? pretty, pretty brilliant.
3: Well, I recently got an, 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 uh, a a call for somebody that's going doing a book on burritos, and they wanted to say tell me that it was invented in El Paso. I said, I don't think so. You know, burritos is a cowboy. What is a cowboy thing that that was their sandwich that they would take on on the saddlebag, you know, to eat for lunch. Yeah.
4: hmm But it is a Texas invention.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think yeah? the biggest uh, I think the biggest difference is that the burritos where we're from don't have any cheese or rice. It's just the meat, the the Chile Corrado, and the flour tortilla wrapped. It's not necessarily all that other accoutrement and all that. No.
3: Uh, the, the the chorizo with egg. I remember yeah, I mean, I yeah, a, a, that, yeah. When I was a social worker, there was uh, for breakfast around nine o'clock. The the women were coming with a little basket of burritos to sell, either beans with cheese and jalapeno, or or um, chorizo with egg. It, it was it was so good, but it was just like a snack. It wasn't like this gross thing that they give you now.
4: Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine Tex-Mex without. We talked about this—the cheese. I mean, everything yeah. has twelve layers of cheese. Yeah, yeah.
3: And and then the combination plates.
4: Yeah. Uh huh. I
2: yeah. remember
3: when I had that big contract for GTE that we had to feed, I think, three thousand people. Like, and we had—they had this party one time, and it was we had to do combination plates for everybody. So, you just imagine a home cook making a combination plate. Enchilada, chile relleno, carne everything. It was, I mean, at the end, we were making the chile rellenos and sticking our hands in the boiling fat and putting <laughs> on the, <laughs> and not feeling anything.
2: Exactly. Uh, you can, a chef is born. Exactly. <laughs> you, you can thank San Antonio for that. I think, in a lot of ways, I think every time I've been to San Antonio, it's always been this place where it has tons of combo platters.
1: <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And a lot yeah. of cheese,
2: which is nothing yeah. wrong if that's your, if that's your bag. But you know what yeah. I mean? I just think.
4: Well, I remember. I remember when I opened the little taqueria in Las Vegas. Uh, it's still there, called Canyonita. But I, you know, I'd spent so much time in Mexico City at the taquerias, and I wanted to do something you know, as authentic as I could. And people would come in from uh, Mexico City and they would say, oh, this is so great. I haven't had this since I left Mexico City. People, somebody would come in from San Antonio and say, this isn't Mexican. <laughs> you know, totally. You're like, really? I know. I mean, the puffy taco. Do I have to say more? Yeah. You know what I mean?
3: What did you have there? And what kind of stuff did you have in and that menu?
4: We had, uh, you know, several kinds of tacos, but they were, you know, we we made the masa there. And so it was typical, uh, you know, three different tacos that you might have, maybe with a little bit of innovation. Um, But uh, I tried to do kind of the best of, you know, like you you go to Mexico City and you put find a place that does nothing but empanadas, one that does nothing but tamales, one that does nothing but tacos. So we did, we did a little of each of those, uh, but just kind of is on its own. We didn't want to have to, we ended up about six months later putting, you know, beans and rice with everything, which I didn't want to do, but you have to do it.
1: with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. But you know
3: what was interesting about that place, the Cocina de Humo, is that I always say that tamales have to have lard. And so they had they served at the man. Oh, they
4: didn't there. That's yeah, right. it all it all about, yeah, It was a vegetarian.
3: But it wasn't fluffy. It was just like, No, you're
4: right. It wasn't. It yeah. wasn't. It was it was that was the one thing that was a little lacking. Mm. And that's why now we know <laughs> exactly. Why. Good home rendered lard, right mom? <laughs> but god, the flavors were spot on otherwise. Yeah. I love
3: it. And so what do you what, what trends do you see coming?
4: Well, I'm sort of uh out of that prediction, thank God, because I don't have to be. (laughs) you do your time, Chef. (laughs) You know, I I think uh, it's all, it will always be about local and organic and healthy and and big flavors. And, you know, it's interesting just to see we just continue to become more and more of a melting pot. And and anything is, nothing is off limits in terms of combining cultures and, and uh, a little from column A and a little from column B and, and, uh, you know, but I'll tell you uh, as it, as it's represented in the growth in the U S all kinds of uh, Latin and Hispanic cuisines are going nowhere. So they're just, that's going to proliferate, you know, it's just going to continue to um, be more and more important. Peruvian, Peruvian has, uh, you know, really kicked in now. So I think Latin America and Mexico, I mean, I think those are just huge um, influences in in what's happening in America and will continue to be for decades.
3: Are food trucks a big deal in, in Dallas because they seem to be creating a lot of the trends now?
4: they you know they are uh we have this wonderful park downtown now called clyde warren and uh it it's it probably has 30 food trucks and that's it's a big it's a big deal yeah i think i think you know it's it's interesting they uh, they've been around for at least 15 years maybe yeah. i don't know but yeah. it seems like they're they're you know it, it, it's past the the trend test they're still going and becoming stronger so it's more than a trend i think it's here to well, stay. i hope people
2: take the food truck and use it as, as an inspiration for a brick and mortar to open their own restaurant you know that hopefully that's the goal
4: yeah and i think
2: they're doing that.
3: and the korean mexican combination honey the tacos
2: Look, I think it's very interesting. If you ask me what, what is the food that I crave other than my own that are, that are you know, the Mexican would be Korean because it's redolent with chili and acid and there's a lot of different accoutrements and pickles and all those different things to keep your palate engaged. And I think that's something I really enjoy. And I think you know I've got to spend time with Roy Choi, and I think he's doing a really good job at it. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not a fan of fusion. It can, it, it, it creates confusion. But I think there, that's one of the passes that you can have. I think there's some parallels there that make sense to me personally. But
4: well, I've always, I've always thought Asian in general and Mexican were just a. You know, and and, and uh, you know, and it, it we see. I saw it in Houston. I mean, it's been there now. It's a whole generation, but you know, the 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 Vietnamese boat people that you know they they settled in several parts of the country in masses, like Minneapolis for one reason. Good Lord, and New Orleans, so cold in New Orleans, in New yeah. Orleans, yeah. but but in Houston is a big yeah. big community, and and it's just this wonderful amalgamation now of flavors and. In uh, foods with with that Vietnamese sort of Mexican, you know, sort of combination. Yeah, chilies.
2: I don't
3: know cool. a lot about that. Vietnamese yes. company.
2: <laughs> I, yes, yes, Mom. Thanks for bringing that up.
4: appreciate it. <laughs> you know how my mom is. Insider information. Thanks for bringing that up. Awesome. <laughs> and you know what, Erron? I know what she's talking about. <laughs> exactly. I've known you long enough. Exactly. <laughs> I think I've known you. I <laughs> asked her when Lord. we were in Ahako. I think I've known you since you were eight. Yep. Uh, I was a little Because that wh- when, whenever, how, however old you were when you first came to New York. Yeah. And... And your mother was told she was going to fall on her face. And she said, I'm going to make it if I sell burritos in Central Park. And look at her. I told everybody I did I didn't look at her. I just did a, a, a deal. And now she's she's selling tamales there, too. Exactly.
2: <laughs> I tell people, I'm like, she's like the Mexican Tina Turner. She's like, I just want my, my kids and I want my name. That's all I care about. You know what I mean? And she's done it. Look at her and you have and you have done that as well chef i mean you have no idea what a bright light you are and you have you have a, a elevated Texas flavors um, to the next level you know you have no idea i remember going to your restaurant last time i was there and you made this beautiful little sopa it was like a sopa de ajo that had the spanish influence and i remember how beautifully presented it was and your restaurant had this beautiful open kitchen and just your, your your commitment to our craft and to our industry is undeniable, and I just think you have been such a beautiful force of inspiration for me and so many others. So I just wanted to tell you that.
4: Well, since we're on that wagon, I will tell you that I have never been prouder of anybody than you. To see you know where you came from and 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 where you've ended up. You haven't ended up. You're still going, but where you are now and uh, you're, it's it's just amazing. You know, and and when I when I tell people about Zorella and they say, yeah, I think of her. yeah, yeah, I know Zarela, and, and then I say, her son is Aron Sanchez. Oh yes, of course we know him. So and the same yeah. thing
3: happened with, with my mom because they say, is not Zarela great? Yes, but have you met
4: you know. Aida? <laughs> <laughs> so you're right in the middle, Zarela. <laughs> tell,
3: t- tell tell everybody the story of uh, of your squash blossoms.
4: Oh, so uh, I lived. I had this great house out in Oak Cliff, and uh, Zorella and her mother came in for. I, I had these big July Fourth parties every year, mostly for my staff. I had you know 120 staff and all their friends, and so we had these big parties. and uh, And so they came in the day before, and I had this really beautiful garden. I don't know, it was like quarter of an acre or something, and but I had all the squash were in blossom. It was just this beautiful beautiful uh orange sort of canopy and, and yeah. canopy yeah. yeah and so uh and so i couldn't you know i was i thought what great timing to have this party and this this beautiful all these beautiful blossoms so we were trying to decide what to have dinner that night and uh, and aida had slipped out and i didn't even know it and she went to my garden and raped it <laughs> she took every every squash blossom there that I was saving for you know this presentation in my party room, and and made this, I must say, very delicious squash blossom soup. And uh, but without checking so, w- without checking with you, by the way, just you know, yeah, without checking, she went, she yeah, went just, rogue. Uh, she went yeah. rogue. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So so it's she's she's mentioned in my first book. And, and and the recipe i uh i credit her with oh that's wonderful that's wonderful well
3: the, the main entertainment of that party was this friend of stevens who had a mm-hmm. knockout body and mm-hmm. she would go in and change into different bathing suits every 15 minutes and parade <laughs> all around
2: that's
4: very very dallas <laughs> yeah
3: very very very, very dallas yes <laughs> and, <laughs> and then her daughter started doing no, this no but
4: the, but yeah that's the funny thing her daughter would do the same thing by the time she was 10 we we, we would see clarissa would disappear the daughter would disappear they would both come out in different two-piece swimsuits i love it i'm happy
3: i'm happy to enjoy their body are you still entertaining a lot or no
4: uh not that way i'm doing dinner parties. I'll tell you, I have enjoyed cooking more in the last year since I've kind of semi-retired because I'm actually cooking in the kitchen. You know, I mean, before when you have all those chefs, you know, you don't really cook that much. You do a charitable dinner and they, the restaurant brings it over. So I'm actually, you know, in the kitchen cooking and it's a great fun. So I'm doing these fun dinner parties for, you know, 10, 12 people and, uh, you know, seven courses. And so it's fun. Yeah, and, I'm and, and a lot of fun. And one
2: of the things that I want to do, and I was telling this because you know of my scholarship, I'm just going to do a shameless plug for the Sanchez Scholarship Fund. But I think one of the things that is important for the kids to know is I think the culinary schools need to do a, a, a tree of all of American regional chefs and be able to see where all these wonderful chefs have come from. So imagine how many people have come from my mom's kitchen and your kitchen, Chef Steven, and all of this. So I think to give some nice perspective, to see this beautiful family tree of chefs and how much influence you have imparted. And I think that's what something's important that needs to be. I think kitchen. it's a great you idea.
4: Know? I like that. Yeah. And, and I yeah. and I've never seen that really. I've never yeah. seen that
2: in. Curriculum. That's a
3: great idea, honey.
2: No, and it's true. It's because, like, you know, I mean, I work for Douglas Rodriguez. I work for Mark Miller and Paul Perdom. Think about all these beautiful chefs. And it seemed like in football, you know, these coaches have all these wonderful coaches that go on and do things that are great, right? So it, 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 something should be created like that to pay further homage to you, Chef Steven, and all your contributions, and continued contributions, and my mom, and that paved the way for uh, so many people.
3: Well, you know, I mean, just getting back to your scholarship program, very... I was talking to somebody at that levadura de olla, the, the sous chef there, and I mentioned your scholarship, and she immediately ran and got a piece of paper and wrote, "Looked oh, yeah. you up, looked you up," and said, "I, I want to, I want to have my son apply, or, or her daughter, I guess, because it's all women there." So it's you're doing a beautiful job, honey. You know, with a with a with a scholarship program that you have, and I'm so proud of you. And I'm so happy that we were all together for a little while, because now the time...
4: This has been great. I can't thank you both enough. This has... Uh, thank you, Chef It's been Steven. very special. Thank you, I lo- You know how I love your mother. And um, I can't wait to... We should all go to Oaxaca. Yeah,
2: no, let's do it. Up. Well, we're going to have to, because we- I... I- I have, to, I have to move her in there, so you're going to help me with that.
4: Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll help you.
2: I of will course. help you. And I just wanted to remind everybody who's been our guest be this, this beautiful podcast. We've been talking about Southwestern cuisine, and we kind of also define, I think, uh, what New Texan uh, cuisine is all about. And, of course, we have the pioneer of that, uh, my tío, somebody that is very important to our family, and, of course, my, one of my mom's best friends and colleagues, uh, Chef Stephen Powell. So thank you so much for being with us cooking in mexican from a to z is powered by simple cast thanks for listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can also find us at facebook.com dot slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without your support from listeners like you want to be part of the food world's most innovative community. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends and please join the H R N family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.